overcoming obstacles, and sales training. That's what you're going to get in this upcoming podcast series. Hey guys, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So I had to dive into the private VIP vault to bring out this next interview series. So this interview series that you're about to dive into is one of my earliest mentors in the um, whole realm of real estate and also most important around raising capital. Mr. Arlen Dolan is somebody I'm going to inter- in- interview here over the next five segments of the podcast here for you. Now, some of you may have heard the story, you know, I maybe have shared this multiple times of the story of the cassette tape that came in the mail and that on that cassette tape were some magic words that helped me overcome some of the biggest obstacles I faced in real estate. It helped give me the confidence. It helped provide hope. It helped provide me with the path forward to overcoming one of the biggest obstacles in real estate and where to find the capital. So that's what we're going to dive into here first. So guys, before we dive into and before we uh, queue up the opening theme music, you guys know the drill, right? Please share this if you get any value, and I know you will get a tremendous amount of value from this next five-part series. When you get the value from this uh, recordings, please share it. Please go on to iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Please leave a review. Please give a ratings for that. But most important, if it helps you in any way, shape, or form, share it with somebody else. Teach it to somebody else. Pass along these incredible insights and incredible wisdom. And with all that being said, guys, let's cue up the theme music and please help me welcome Mr. Arlen Dolan. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey everybody, Russell Westcott, how you doing today? Man, did I thoroughly enjoy this upcoming interview with Mr. Arlen Dahl. This is part two, so if you haven't seen the first part, make sure you watch that. It's not necessary that you see the first part in order to watch this one, but it definitely will help. Now, Arlen invited me out to his ranch, to what he calls his man cave, and holy moly, just wait till you get a check out. I hope we're going to cut in some shots. I took some shots of it, some pan videos, things like that, so hope you get a chance to just check out this man cave. What an ultimate place to go and just get away and get some thinking and just uh, you know just reflect on life and just maybe have just an environment that sets you up for success. Now many of you have probably if you've been watching a presentation or if you heard my story you've heard about this thing called this cassette tape. When this cassette tape came in the mail it literally changed the trajectory that I was going on and many different things in my life. What I tried to do in this interview was I actually tried to um, to mirror, to actually just recreate that cassette tape on a live video format. So I actually talked to Arlen, I asked him a whole bunch of questions. I wanted to just give Arlen some gratitude and just share how grateful I was and how grateful the community is for all the inspiration he has provided to us for many, many years. He's been behind the scenes. He just, you know, something that he did, you know, 15 years ago is now causing ripple effects going forward and uh, on on a national basis. You know, if it wasn't for Arlen putting together that little presentation and that cassette tape, it wouldn't have led to a book. It wouldn't have led to a home study program. It wouldn't have led to this Raising Capital Academy that's being put together. So I'm just uh, 
so touched that Arlen has uh, been a part of the journey, who's been uh, an unbelievable mentor to me and to thousands across the country. So in this interview, the best part about this, there were so many, like honestly, you're gonna come back to this interview so many times, you're gonna take so many notes. The best part that I thoroughly enjoyed was just, you know, just connecting with Arlen and just being able to show my, gra my gratitude. The other thing was we talked into all these, you know, objections on, you know, what if an investment partner says this? What if someone says that? And Arlen is just so down to earth and just to the point, right? It's just amazing that how he just handles those things. And you know what? And how he handles them, you know, they'll never pop up again. So I thoroughly think you're going to enjoy this interview because I had a blast. You know, I was sitting in the background and I'm, as I'm doing it, I'm just having this great big smile on my face. I'm trying not to just be so giddy and just so excited because this was just pure gold. So I think you're going to just thoroughly love this one. Make sure you give everybody uh, you know, some feedback wherever you're watching this. Pop in some feedback below and can't wait to talk to you at the very end. All right, guys. Bye for now. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Russell Westcott here. Arlen Dolan, good to see you. you good betcha. to see you. Thank you for the invitation here. We're... Uh, I don't even know how to describe this place. This is just, well, first of all, uh, we have a visitor here. Hopefully we can get that, keep that in the shot. Do you have a name for, do you name for No, I don't actually. We actually have our own audience here, don't we? <laughs> yeah. What would you, how would you best describe this? this is we're, we're, this isn't your home. This no. is, this is, this is your lifestyle, your play property almost. How would you describe this place where we are today? Well, I guess you'd say it's like my man cave. It's yeah. a very big man cave, but, uh, and what it is is something for, friends and family to come out to and uh, and for my kids and stuff it's there's quad trails there's this there's that we've got all the skidoos and quads and machines and stuff and we can stay overnight here it's just it's just yeah. a recreation place well how many how, what's the size you have a, how many acres did you say at it's 160 acres 160 acres and I got about 10, 15 kilometers of trails out here. Right, and yeah. we're in a Quonset. Now, for, for those of you, if you're from the prairies, you know what a Quonset is. This is no Quonset. <laughs> this is, this is a, it is a, a truly a man cave with toys and a poker area and ping pong. And where we are right now is actually a living quarters. You can actually yeah. stay out here if you've you know, had too many adult beverages one, one yeah. Saturday night and don't want to drive home. So this is the this is the plan for you're gonna have the house on here eventually, right? Yeah, the plan is when the kids are gone, yeah. we'll probably build a house in here, and uh, this is where my wife and I'll stay. We're outdoorsy people. Yeah. So this is where you just come to get away, and it's it's almost like you know people have some people have cabins at the lake. This is how far from your house? Half this, an hour? It's not even that. It's probably twenty minutes from my house. That's yeah. what's nice because we can yeah. actually use it a lot. Yeah. So so we're we're in a very inspired place to have this conversation today. So so this is the second part of the conversation. We had it's it's shocking how fast time goes by. We had that last conversation about seven months ago. Yeah. So. And we made a commitment to have the second one. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. It's uh, seven months later. We're having the second one. So I, I'm just honored for you to take the time. I know how busy you are and how much is on the go, especially summer when you got lots of property. There's yeah. always something. To, there's always something to cut. Yeah. Is in there. Uh, we're going to have a really cool conversation about raising capital, which the commitment we had from our last conversation, we told a lot more of the backstory and, and a lot of inspiration about real estate and how you got started and just the trials and tribulations. And we've had some fantastic feedback, just as an FYI, it's very inspirational for people to watch. But today we're going to take a little bit more dive into your capital raising and some of the things you've learned, what you've did wrong, what you've done right, and what would you do today? And you are doing, you are raising capital today. You just shared a story with me that you you're meeting the guy today. Yeah. So so we're gonna we're gonna have a, a really cool conversation. 
But before we do that, I actually wanted, I'm, I'm interested, and I'm sure a lot of people that are following this would be interested. We know the story about how you got started in real estate. Right. What's the story behind that? Who was Arlen Dolan? Where did you grow up? What kind of a, you know, what did you, what were your interests as a kid? Did you have any, you know, challenging times or what, what's the, what's the real backstory of Arlen before real estate? BR, if you will. Yeah. Well, I guess for me, I grew up uh, in Camrose, Alberta, which is about 45 minutes south of uh, Edmonton. So that's just a smaller town about population of 15,000. I grew up there. I grew up uh, being a regular kid, going to school. Uh, I was really heavy into hockey, played mm-hmm. hockey. And then uh, I, once I graduated high school, I spent a couple of years working and figured out, mm-hmm. you know, without going back to school, that wasn't a lot of fun, these type of jobs. So What was the highest level of hockey that you ended up playing? Uh, midget. Yeah. Midget rep hockey. Yeah. 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 Well, you were a goaltender, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Something like, there's something about goaltenders that they're just one, they're just a little off center sometimes. That's what they say, right? I should have never been a goaltender. <laughs> My personality was not set for a goaltender. <laughs> I wasn't easy going. I'm more type A and hard on myself. Yeah. yeah. So then um, after working a couple of years, I, I, I figured out that, that kind of work is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I went back to, went, moved to Edmonton and uh, went back to school, got a marketing education. And uh, from there, I worked, worked built some corporate jobs in marketing and sales. Um, and then I, I went into sales, sales management, branch yeah. management. And then in that process is while I did that, I started my real estate. Yeah. So for X amount of years, I did both, and mm-hmm. then it got to the point where I could leave my job and do real estate full time. Yeah, and you, you uh, would you agree that your sales training has probably been one of the more beneficial things that you've had as a skill set that you've learned in order to help you with within real estate? I think I had two key skill sets, I guess you'd say, and one it would be definitely is sales. I mean, yeah. and sales is not what most people think yes. sales is. They yeah. th- they think sales is a is you're good at conning somebody into something. That's not what sales is. Sales yeah. is helping people, whether it's purchasing or making decisions, making the, the best decision for them. That's what yeah. sales is, in yeah. informing them. The second thing for me, I think, is just honestly, is my family and upbringing in that, like I just grew up learning to be honest, learning to care for people. Yeah. And between those two, yeah. those were, so I was blessed with those two things prior to real estate, which, which really made a big difference. Yeah, so how you show up, who you are as a person, yes. and truly, if you could summarize it, what you just said is providing a real solution to a real problem based upon what that person is looking for. And all you're doing is you're offering a recommendation based upon what they told you they're, uh, told you what they're looking for. Absolutely. No it's sales not, involved at all. No, it's not. And, and I mean, I've had people, honestly, that they were looking to invest with me that I didn't think that was their best choice to do mm-hmm. for various reasons. And yeah. I will say that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're here to do the best for people that you can. That's in the long run. That's where you'll do your best and right. feel your best. Nice. Well, that's. I think that's a fantastic. So, any any big revelations of uh, uh, epiphany moments from growing up, or was it a pretty pretty typical prairie town? Uh, bringing up and upbringing, that kind of fun stuff? Yeah, you could say my upbringing is your typical redneck Alberta. Just, uh, you know, you're hockey, and then, of course, you're young. You're, you're going to the bush parties and all that kind yeah. of stuff, just like everybody else growing up, you know? So... Yeah, man. Just imagine if your folks had this place when you were at, when you were in high school. The parties you could have oh my. over here. I'm already thinking of that. I mean, <laughs> my oldest is 14, and I'm going. There's going to have to be cameras here because when that 
when that kid turned 16 or 18, it could get way out of hand. <laughs> what's, your, what's your oldest son's name? Chase. Chase. Chase is going to be the, the best friend to all the buddies. Absolutely. Because he has the, you know, I know where we grew up, we had a we had the party places out in small town Saskatchewan, and it yeah. truly was a bush. Yeah. He went there. Absolutely. And, and the party started with the guy with the oldest pickup truck going and knocking over a tree. And then you started the fire from that tree that was knocked uh, over. Absolutely, <laughs> I was the same. Same thing. So, so that's uh, sorry for our, our, rec, our redneck prairie upbringing <laughs> yeah, coming exactly. through here. I, I'm on I'm on a tour back out to see my folks in Saskatchewan, so I'm actually reminiscing through all this kind of yeah. stuff too. But, but I, I tell you what, the, how you grow up it does impact how you become as an adult absolutely yeah, and and those experiences of getting out and going you know going frogging and getting outside and snowmobiling and and you know uh, a resiliency about you know it's not cold out it's just you just put on more clothing and absolutely. you just get out and just do it yeah right? absolutely you know we didn't have and i'm sorry for sounding really old <laughs> but we didn't have gadgets and no xboxes and no we had cleco we had cleco head-to-head hockey <laughs> yeah, right? I remember, yeah i remember <laughs> that electronic quarterback yeah so i guess we're showing our ages here yeah <laughs> so Talking about uh, raising capital, so we could reminisce about redneck isms all day if we want. So, <laughs> yeah. but uh, getting back to raising capital, one of the first conversations I always have with a lot of my experts is the talk about fear. Um, fear, and one of the biggest fears I keep talking when I talk about people is the fear of having a conversation with somebody about money. Sometimes there's just some taboo about uh, money conversations with other people that you don't want to bring up, which, you know, this, that, or the other, or be, you know, boast or show off or what, I don't know what it is, the fear is. But did you ever have a fear of talking to somebody else about uh, money and then also about the fear about having them invest with you? No, I actually, it's surprisingly enough, I never had the fear. And I think the reason why is because I right to the core, believed in real estate. Mm -hmm. When I started raising money and doing real estate, my 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 money was where my mouth was. Like I cashed mm. out my RRSPs. Yeah. You know, I the only investments I had was real estate and it's because that's what I believed in. So I was all in on that. I yeah. was completely congruent, not for optic standpoint, because that's just where I was. Mm -hmm. um, the conversation about money, I didn't find hard because I really felt that this is what people should do as mm -hmm. opposed to what they were currently doing. So it wasn't, it wasn't like sales. It's like when I'm talking to people, I'm hoping they do it um, more for them mm -hmm. than I'm hoping for me in a sense. Okay. Yes, there's a win in it for me, no question, but I was hoping more for them. And if, if, if they chose not to, I didn't have a sense of, oh, I didn't close a sale or something. I guess I, I felt bad that they're not doing this because I know 10 years from now, if they would have, my feeling was yeah. they'd have been a lot better off. Right. So, so it was almost like you're, you're on a passion and a mission to help others and you get to help yourself, but you help them first. Absolutely. And so that really alleviated your fear was yeah. quite frankly, the more people you talk to, the more people you can help. Right. And the greater you gave yourself a sense of fulfillment. Right. I mean, I did have, in one aspect, I did have a sense of fear, and that is um, having the ability, wanting to make sure that, you know, I under-promise and over-deliver. Mm -hmm. And again, speaking honestly with people, yeah. you don't know in three years, five years, 10 years, what exactly their return will be. Right. You don't know that. Anybody that says they know that is not telling the truth. 
So and it's quite dangerous to actually guarantee anything. <laughs> you don't want <laughs> it's to. It's dangerous. Right. Right. Yeah. So I I had that inside of me yeah. a little bit. Like I mean, I can maverick or or go crazy like with my own money and take mm-hmm. gambles because if I if I made an error, you know, it's just slap on oh, my you own. You were hat. young when you started. Right. <laughs> but, but, Younger. But with other people's money, it did create stress yeah. for me. The stress wasn't should you do real estate, should you buy stuff. That wasn't the stress. The stress. Mm-hmm was self-imposed, always has been, always will be with me. Mm. So you demanded more from yourself than anybody would ever expect of you. Right. You think about it. Right. And I, in my head, to keep, you know, to keep on the positive side and the whole nine yards, I always went, things will go wrong yeah. at some point. And I go and I just, whatever it takes, I got to fix it. I just, I'll, 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 I'll fix it okay. and it'll all be good in the end. And that is, you know, how things go really. Nice. Okay. The next conversation that a lot of people always have, and, and I've been talking with people across, whether whether they're just getting started, whether they're in a point where they maybe have accomplished, maybe they got a you know a portfolio of five, six, seven places, and they're looking to take it up to the twenty places, or mm-hmm. maybe they got twenty and they're looking to take it to a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, the question always comes out is uh, where, like, where do you find your investors? Where do you position yourself to target? I often say you should actually talk about who your investors are first before you actually figure out where, but where did you find the majority? So two questions. Have you ever defined your ideal investor? Have you ever defined them? And the second question is, uh, where are those people? Where do you find those people? Um, Yeah, I defined it. I did a rough, I had a rough definition, I guess. First and foremost was family right off the start. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because, um, one, it's path least resistance, and they know my personality. Yeah. But second is because I believe in real estate. If you're going to help, if you're to the core belief is you're helping people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to help the people closest to you. Yes. So again, like everybody, a lot of people have heard, I've invested started with my parents. It 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 wasn't the get money for my parents so I can have some more real estate. It was to help my parents was the underlying thing. Um, that so was a governing why for you exactly. So, them, yeah. so um, like I'll use an example. One of my other criteria I thought of because I was thinking of scaling and duplicating. So I knew, like I had a goal early mm-hmm. on to be able to get to 100 properties. And I thought about like, okay, well, that means if I have partners, I, I can't do partners that are only going to buy one house with me because at the end of the day, I'm going to have 100 partners and yeah. that's going to be not manageable. So I wanted to have, I just had rough numbers in my head at the time, but I, if they weren't going to buy like six or more or mm-hmm. or spend X amount of money, then I then I won't work with them. I might refer them. Yeah. Now, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, when it comes to family, I broke those rules for my sister, my brother, yeah. because that was intentional because it's for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that there's not a benefit for me anyways. Yeah. But so I looked at scale because I, you know, I, I didn't want a hundred partners leave that wouldn't be manageable. Yeah. And how did I how did I find them? Yeah, at dinner table on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I, I terrorized them to get them to do that because in my head, there's like no option. They're doing this because I wanted them to be successful. So, yeah. yeah. You wanted more for them. Sometimes you wanted more for them to be successful than they wanted for themselves. Yeah, in probably. Some, in some cases. Yeah. So, so guys, I think one of the, you know, so, and some people, and I'm going to ask, we're going to go down this, this trail of working with, fa- with friend, uh, family because right. uh, some people go, geez, I won't approach family. But I think you framed it unbelievably well. Um, so, so if you're struggling, maybe the, the where to start first is start with your family. Like start with the immediate family, especially if you've 
if mom and dad, and I'm sorry if you're a mom and dad and things like their children are watching this now, if mom and dad have owned the house for 20 years, it's probably free and clear. Yeah. That's, so there's probably a whole bunch of equity there. Um, and just having the conversation. The biggest problem sometimes is having mom and dad or Uncle Alan or all these people see you not as snotty-nosed young kid and see, but see you as a business person. Right. So how did you work with the family friend? You just told me you're doing this and that's just a relationship you had or? No, you know, honestly, I, I, I talked to them for a while about what I was doing yeah. and I talked to them a while about why. And over time, I would send them information that I was receiving from different seminars and different mm-hmm. things that I went to. Yeah. And I would just supply the information and, and uh, as to the why. Yeah. Why I think it's the right thing. Why this? Why that? Um, I mean, again, with my parents, my parents were you know, normal middle class. They didn't have a pile of cash in the bank. Mm-hmm. Their, their first investment money with me was basically cashing out RSPs. Okay. Which, like, they always credit me to the success I brought them. But, I mean, how, how many people at the time, my, my parents were in their mid-50s, you cash out the RSPs. If, if Ireland doesn't perform... That's it. They're, that's hooped. A, they have, They're hooped. Wow, that's the point of no return. <laughs> right. So obviously they had trust in me. Yeah. And although they love me because I'm their son, <laughs> they're not going to give me everything if they think I'm going to lose it. I mean, that would be foolish, right? right? right. Then, at, then the next step with them was, and I never asked for that, is they, just like you mentioned, with their clear house, they, they, re, they put a line of credit on their house and they bought more. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a few years later as they seen what was going on with what we yeah. already had. So they went all in. So now it's worked out really well for them. Um, they always try to give me the credit. Yeah. And I always turn it because I'm going, I don't know too many people that would have had the guts to cast out RSPs at 55. Yeah. If it's gone, you're hooped. And then refi or, or they put a line on a on your on your home yeah. that's cl- so, free and so clear. So actually tripling down and quadrupling down. Right, so down. They're, <laughs> they're all in on me. And, and that's where I come back to, I said, when you're talking about stress, I go, then, then I do have stress yeah. on me yeah. because they're not putting any on me. Wow. It's all self-induced. Wow. And, and we're in your Quonset, which you have some, I've heard some legendary poker games here. <laughs> yeah. So they went all in and then all in on the all in. Yeah. So I, I give them the credit because they did what most people wouldn't have the guts to do. Well, so that's what a brilliant way of framing that. Yeah. Everybody thinks that it's all the real estate experts. No. The one, the one to make it, taking all the action and taking all the risks and the swashbuckler. But uh, here in your case, that was, uh, it was, it was their, it was their vision in you, really. They believed in me. Yeah. You know, whether they should have or not, we don't know, but, (laughs) but, you know, that's the thing with family, right? If they know you since you're born, they know your character. So, you know, if your family believes in you, they know you're a hard worker and this and that, it it won't be that hard of a path. Yeah. I envision um, potentially people watching this, there could be a whole bunch of presentations for, from kids and talking with the parents potentially down the road. And you know, and, and quite frankly, um, I think they probably should. If you actually can help mom and dad with certain things, um, you should probably do what you can to do that. It's, it, it's a feel good thing. It's not yeah. even about money. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it was fun to write six figure checks. Mm-hmm. To the parents, I mean, I think it was more fun for me than it even for them in a sense. It just feels so good, right? Right. Wow. Well, I'm glad it's worked out for them. It's yep. been some ups and downs. It's been some challenges. Hey. And some some waves and cycles and bumps along the way. Absolutely. Right. But there's never been a com- a waiver in the commitment to making it work. No. It just time. Sometimes the timeline changes. Right. Or maybe it was seven years or 11 years, and now it's turned into 18 years and 19 years, maybe. Well, it's true. I mean, I remember I look back when I first invested with them, like for the first five years, you know, 
basically the market was flat. Mm. The vacancy was a little on the high side. Yep. It, it looked like for the first five years we were doing this for no reason. Yeah, mortgage pay down. Yeah, yep. mortgage pay down, that's about it. So mm-hmm. you're, you're almost... I always had a belief in it. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but you're kind of second guessing because I go, we're no, we're no better off five years in now than we were when we started. Yeah, you know, it depends on your market timing. And I, that debt is still sitting there, too, right? Right. You know, and it depends on your timing with your different partners. I mean, I've had partners where they came in, you know, in the Edmonton area here at 05. So one year in, you look like a hero. Yeah, gravy train with biscuit wheels. Exactly. <laughs> right. you know, I mean, that's lucky too, yeah. right? That's some luck. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, so. What was your first foray outside of family and friends? And, and how was that? So you've actually <laughs> used family, and then was the next wave into friends type of thing? No, or, or was not the next really. wave out, out, what no. was, how, did you, how did you make the transition from family to outside investors? You know, I, I always thought about things, and that's probably my sales background, yeah. is, um, is I, did, I, I don't like have that feeling of being sold or mm-hmm. let's have a meeting. Yeah. I got this opportunity. Yeah. For most people, as soon as they hear that, they they, they just cringe. Yeah. Like you know, they're they thinking think Amway. Yeah. You know, or you're gonna put me in some MLM thing, or, or or this or that. So I just did it different, and I all I did is I was going to different seminars. It could be you know a rain, it could be in a bunch of different ones, and I would um, learn stuff, yeah. and I would share stuff. Yeah. So I go out there, like I, you know, could be talking to someone there, you know, I'd always use the reference that I do real estate. Yeah. How was your weekend? I guess, you know, well, last week it was a little busy. I went and looked at a couple houses and uh, I can put an offer on one. And then if they ask a question, off we go. If they don't have a question, if they don't ask a question, I stop. Right. You know, I don't keep going down that trail. But I remember when I early started, I didn't know much about real estate. My number one thing was helping giving people advice of what to do on their home renewal. Because I'd learned this stuff. Ah. So that was my number. I mean, I didn't know much then. That's that's one thing I didn't know. (laughs) So I would say, you know, it looks like, you know, you should do a variable, you know, five-year variable. You should be able to get a point off. I know that. Go to a broker, do this, do that. Or I would say, you know, maybe you want to lock in. So I would just give that advice. And they'd say, then, of course, when I give the advice, I'd say, well, how do you know that? Then I explain it. The next thing you know, you're off onto an investment conversation. Or maybe you're not. But I just went out there to consult and then some stuff would just come my way. That's how it would work. So I never met people, did meetings to invest with me. I never did that. Wow. So we're going to get into this in this next uh, segment. We're going to get into your presentation. You, I think more than anybody I know, uh, when you did some stage presentation, you you changed the way people made presentations to investors. <laughs> you fundamentally changed it. Right. And I remember seeing it, I just looked at it and after I saw it go, I can do that. Yeah. Anybody can do that. Yeah. And I think you just gave and instilled the confidence into an entire generation of people that they can go and have a conversation, not a presentation, right. a conversation right. about it. So that's what we're going to get into this next segment. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit about some objections and answering those kind of things. And okay. Let's, let's see how it's, let's, let's, let's talk with the master here and oh, see geez. how he handles them all. Right. So we'll be right back guys. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. 
Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.